This is Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris on TalkZone.com. On the phone, we have Pro Football Hall of Famer and former St. Louis Cardinal Roger Worley. How are you doing, Roger? Doing real well, thank you. I see that you started high school at age 13. You were like a Doogie Hauser type. <laughs> Actually, both my folks were teachers and... Uh, so I guess they didn't want to pay for a babysitter, so I actually started school when I was five instead of six. <laughs> it didn't hold you back, apparently, though. <laughs> no. I was always young for I was always uh, young for my class, and in, in, uh, all the way through, and uh, really, I, I, me- I remember going out for football my freshman year, and uh, went in to get weighed and everything, and I was uh, five foot two, one hundred and twelve pounds. So. Uh, <laughs> so I was pretty small for for uh, freshman football in high school, but uh, eventually grew into it. They were going to put you either on the offense or defensive line with a massive frame like that, right? <laughs> no, no, I was always I was always uh, somewhere around the ball. <laughs> did Dan Devine personally recruit you to Missouri, or did he have his assistants recruit you? No, it was assistants. Uh, the, the coach Clay Cooper, who was a defensive back uh, coach. I think they looked at me uh, from the start as the defensive back, defensive back at Missouri, and uh, then my sophomore year they uh, decided to uh, use me on the punt returns. So uh, uh, played uh, played cornerback and uh, and some safety in college, and then uh, all all three years of uh, of my college career I returned to punts at Mizzou. So. Uh, Back then, you didn't play as a freshman. You could only play on the on the freshman team. They didn't allow freshmen to play on the varsity back then, and uh, so we only had three years of, of uh, varsity college. I went to Missouri, and I'm old enough to remember a number 23 before you, a guy by the name of Johnny Rowland. Right, yeah, Johnny had. Uh, in fact, Johnny was a senior when I was a freshman, and uh, they gave me the same number that he had. Uh, my sophomore year, and I was, obviously I was very thrilled with that because he had had such a great career at Missouri. Uh, then I was drafted by the Cardinals, and uh, obviously would have liked to have had 23, but Johnny was already on the Cardinals, and he had 23, so uh, they gave me, uh, I guess, the next number down, which was 22. So uh, um, I had to change the numbers when I went into the pros. What was Dan Devine like? I, my impression of him is he was uh, almost obsessive-compulsive in in having things done his way, you know, and it had to be done at a, a precise time. <laughs> I think that's probably true. I think I think his degree was in psychology. He was he was uh, you know he was very exacting. He was a te- he was uh, the two best coaches that I think I ever had. Uh, he in, in in on my college year, and then Coach Coriel when I was with the Cardinals. And, uh, they couldn't have been more different. Uh, Dan, you know, Dan was, uh, like you say, he was more the type of coach that was, was up on the, uh, the, uh, the pedestal looking down over everything and, and let his, uh, individual, individual coaches, uh, do most of the on the field coaching as far as technique and things like that. And then, and then he would take the team over on, uh, on, uh, Saturday or Friday and, uh, and, you know, start, Giving us, getting us ready for the game, and and always had a great uh, uh, mental frame going into going into every game, no matter who we played. Where uh, 
Coach Correll with the Cardinals was just the opposite. He was he was an on the field, uh, fiery type of coach and uh, uh, a, a guy that uh, would get right in your face or, or or be your best friend just just all the time and and uh, was uh, very much into into more the offensive side of the game. He didn't he didn't uh, technique coach much of the defense, but he was a he was an offensive innovator and. Uh, and had his hands on every little bit of the offense that we had in the, in the mid-70s when he was our coach with the Cardinals. Was your biggest game in college when you beat Alabama in the Gator Bowl? I think it was, yeah. I think uh, uh, certainly because we, we we always had great seasons at Missouri, and, and the most games we ever we lost were three, but uh, uh, didn't, didn't ever win the Big 8 Conference Championship. So... Uh, uh, we would have had a shot at it, but Kansas beat us the the last game of my senior year. And then, uh, obviously, getting an invitation to the Gator Bowl was a big deal at that point because, uh, you know, we wanted to redeem ourselves after that. And uh, to go down there and, and beat Bear Bryant and, and Alabama in the Gator Bowl uh, by a pretty good margin was, uh, you know, a great way to end my career and certainly a great thrill and, and a great thrill for all of the, all the players. At Missouri, did you go up against Mel Gray in practice? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Mel came in at a junior college transfer. And uh, uh, the first time I, I didn't know who he was, we were, I, I think it was, uh, I guess it was training camp there before my senior year. He, uh, you know, we were just running patterns uh, one-on-one against each, each other, uh, the defensive backs against the uh, receivers. And I came up in line against him, and we were, we were, I was bumping, running him, and he released to the outside and, and got about a step on me. And you know, we went down the field about 40 yards, and he still had a step on me. And I, I went back to the huddle and I said, "Who is that guy? I can't even catch him." <laughs> and, uh, one of the other defensive backs uh, told me that he was who he was, Mel Gray, and he he was a junior college transfer and had, had uh, won the uh, the. Uh, College, junior college, uh, 60-yard dash <laughs> uh, before he came to Missouri. So, I, uh, obviously, after that, I remembered who he was. <laughs> he was he was a great receiver, and and then uh, so I, I played with him that one year at Missouri. Then then, then he played his senior year uh, after I was with the Cardinals, and then the Cardinals drafted him also. So we had uh, Johnny Rowland and uh, myself and Merrill all in the all in the Cardinals there for a while. I know one guy you were faster than Jim Hart. <laughs> oh yeah, Jim wasn't uh, known for his speed. He was, but uh, I tell you, there was—I'd never seen a better, better passer, pinpoint passer with an arm like he had. He could, he could uh, break open uh, defenses. And once Coriel came uh, to the Cardinals in I guess '73, '74, there he. Uh, he had the offense that he needed uh, uh, when when Coriel got there, and Coriel and and Hart uh, with the pinpoint passes, quick passes to the backs out of the backfield, and uh, basically that West Coast offense that that Coriel brought kind of ahead of his time. And uh, uh, Hart was the perfect quarterback for that, and they had a you know obviously he had a great career with the Cardinals, and and uh, uh, you know one of my one of my better friends. He was just. Back in St. Louis uh, a couple weeks ago, he has a uh, he chairs a, a tournament here. He lives down in Florida, but uh, was back in St. Louis, so we got a chance to see he and 
Dan Deardorff, Jackie Smith, uh, Mel Gray, and uh, you know a bunch of the old Cardinals come back and play for that in that golf tournament. So it was very fun to have a, a reunion of, of our old teammates. Now, when the '69 NFL draft came around, I I remember it was the Cardinals' turn, and they were going to take a defensive back, and it was either going to be Roger Worley or Jim Marsalis. Did you know that the Cardinals were going to take you? I really didn't know. No, I hadn't really talked to any of the Cardinals. It's amazing, you know, the way the draft is today. You know, I mean, it's on television and everybody, you know, they have the all the tryouts, uh, you know, and all of that, the, the timings and the, the weights and the vertical jump and the long jump and all those things that they, they test the players so extensively on now. I hadn't really even talked to any of the Cardinals and, uh, I'd had letters from different teams, San Francisco, Dallas, uh, a lot of different teams, uh, and, uh, but none from the Cardinals. Uh, as it turned out, uh, apparently one of the Cardinal scouts, I, I found out later, was, uh, in Hawaii at the, uh, Hula Bowl. And, uh, he, he was the one that asked me to run the 40 yard dash for him at the Hula Bowl after practice, and I, which I did. And I uh, found out a couple of years later when he came onto the Cardinal staff, he was a he was a scout at that time. When he came onto the Cardinal scat staff, he told me that uh, when I ran the 44 uh, them there, that's when they decided to draft me because I was actually faster than they thought I was going to be. And uh, so they, I guess, thought I could play cornerback. So uh, uh, that was uh, that was what uh, resulted in, in me being drafted in the first round by the Cardinals. Yeah, I think uh, Jimmy Marcellus, we played in um, a couple all-star games together, and uh, he was drafted, uh, I think, uh, two two picks later by the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. So. Right. Did you thank the scout for having a quick finger to get you that 4 or 5 40? <laughs> yeah, I, I ran, uh, I could run 4 or 5 on grass. I, ran, I think the fastest I ever ran was a 4 4. Uh, on uh, on on AstroTurf, but uh, back then the 40 wasn't, uh, you know, nobody, you know, you didn't prepare for it like they do now. Uh, you know, I, like I say, the first time I'd ever run it was uh, when we were out out in Hawaii, and I just I ran that four or five on grass. So, so uh, did you have was, full pads on and everything, or were you just in regular uh, workout clothes? No, I had uh, well, I had helmet, helmet and shoulder pads, but just uh, helmet, shoulder pads, and shorts. Uh, you know, just like we, just like we worked out there at the at the uh, Mecca Hula Bowl. Because now they don't even have the helmet and pads, and they're just running with like these designer clothes on to make them run faster. Imagine what you would have ran now. <laughs> I don't know. I probably, like I said, I ran, I, I ran a four four. That was probably about the what uh, what I ran the, the forty in. Uh, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe I could have got under that a little bit if if you, you actually train for it, you know, and and uh, do the 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 sprint workouts like they do now, and train for the different events that they go in in the uh, in the uh, uh, rookie camps. Was the transition from college to the pros fairly easy for you? Well, it, it's it's always a tough transition. Uh, you know, you're going going up against the best players in the in the world and, and the best. Players on every team uh, are the best players out of college, and uh, in, in college, it's just not that way. I, uh, I was I was really fortunate when I came to the Cardinals to have uh, two 
guys playing safety here, Larry Wilson and Jerry Strovall, uh, the two Cardinal safeties that were veterans and, and uh, excellent ball players, obviously. So uh, having them to mentor me a little bit uh, when I first came in and, and having Larry there to, to call the defenses and, and uh, alert us to what the teams like to do and what their, what their tendency were, tendencies were was something that uh, I really appreciated and helped me helped me along uh, early in my career for sure. But uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a tough you know it's a it's a big transition no matter what. And I you know I uh, I got my uh, jock handed to me a few times in, in my rookie season. But uh, you know you just have to go through that and and learn from your mistakes and, and work to get better. And, and that's what I, I tried to do all all through my my rookie year here at St. Louis. Roger Staubach said that the term shutdown corner originated because of you. He said you were the greatest defensive back he ever played against. How did that make you feel? Oh, it made me feel great, obviously. I mean, uh, Roger was, was such a great athlete. And, and uh, you know, we played against each other in the, in the same division, so we had to play him twice every year. And, and uh, you know, uh, the decade of the 70s was a big decade for them. Early in the 70s, they went to the Super Bowl a couple times and and uh then we had you know we had in the mid 70s when we hit our stride and had and won the division a few times uh during the mid 70s it was always a a challenge to beat Dallas because they had uh, you know just such a great team and they were an innovative team uh had a lot of a lot of good receivers with, uh, uh Pearson and and those guys and just uh uh obviously with Staubach back at quarterback as a defensive back, it was a nightmare because you knew you had to cover your receiver not only the first uh, four or five seconds of the play, but uh, uh, if nobody was open, he, he had the ability to scramble, and, and uh, you know, uh, then he was just looking for whoever was open, and so uh, uh, you had to chase the chase the guys all over the field. It was it was a, a struggle playing against him, and certainly. To get those praises from him uh, really meant a lot, and I think probably meant a lot, a lot to uh, uh, help me get into the, the Hall of Fame as, as the voting went since uh, uh, he had made those uh, statements about me. Yeah. One of the games where you and the Cardinals shut down was and the Cowboys was 1970 Monday Night Football when Monday Night Football was a big deal, 38 to nothing. Well, what was that like? Oh, it was it was wonderful. I mean, we it was uh, it was that was the first year of Monday Night Football, and uh, it was the first time we had ever played on Monday Night Football, and I'm sure probably Dallas too. And uh, you know, Don Meredith was in the booth with Howard Cosell, and and uh, Bandy Don had just retired from the Cardinals, and I mean from the from the Dallas, and was now in the broadcast booth, so he was obviously. Uh, very partial to the to the Dallas Cowboys, and we went down there and, and played in Dallas on a Monday night, and like you say, just had a, a great game. I had a, I had a couple interceptions and some, uh, you know, a couple long knockdowns on passes to Bob Hayes deep down the field, and and uh, we just pretty much dominated him. And then uh, I think I think what happened then though is uh, uh, after that game, Roger Staubach, uh had not played in that game and not not got very much playing up until then. He was just back from from his uh, service uh, uh, duties and uh, uh, 
So uh, I think that game spurred the coach to put him in more during the games, and they started doing some alternating after that. And uh, they went on to to be in the Super Bowl that year. That's the last. That was the last uh, regular season game they lost that, that year. Uh, ran the table, ended up uh, beating us out for the for the uh, division title by a by a game, and then uh, went on and lost to uh, Pittsburgh in the Super Bowl. So I think it was a turning point for them. <laughs> I think uh, Starbucks started starting more, and they started winning more after that game. Yeah. Who was the toughest guy to cover? Oh gosh, you know that's that's tough to say. I think when I first came in. Uh, I look at Charlie Taylor as, as a guy that uh, was as tough as anybody to cover. He was, uh, and, and again, a guy that was throughout my career was in our same uh, division, so we had to play him twice with, with Washington. And uh, so he was he was a, a great receiver, had all the moves, and plus he was he was tough as he came into, you know, he came in as a running back into the league, so he was. <laughs> He was tough, a great blocker, great pattern runner, and, and could catch anything thrown to him. So, so he was tough. You know, there were a lot of you know Bob Hayes with with the, with Dallas. You always had to respect his speed. Uh, uh, so so he was a great receiver. Pearson oh. on the other side down in Dallas was great patterns, uh, great pattern runner, great hands. Uh, you know. Paul Warfield. I don't know if you went against Paul Warfield, but he was another. Well, one. yeah, well, sure, yeah. We didn't, we didn't play them. Uh, we played them my rookie year, and then uh, that's when the division uh, changed. So we didn't play uh, them that much. But I played a few times during my career. Obviously, a wonderful, wonderful pattern runner, smooth, smooth, smooth player, and a, a great player. The the Pittsburgh guys later in my career with Swan and Stallworth, they were tough. So, uh, a lot of players. I, I was, <laughs> you know, when I got elected into the Hall of Fame, I think there were like 16 receivers or something, and I played against like 11 or 12 of them. I, I forget. It's, <laughs> it was amazing. Who was your favorite quarterback to intercept? Do you remember, you remember who you had your most against? Well, I had my most against Staba, even though even though he was a, probably the best quarterback I played against. Because we had more opportunities against him, and uh, I think uh, I think he was more stubborn than the rest of them, and, and, and kept throwing the ball at me. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I think I had six interceptions off of uh, him, and uh, that's the most that I had off any one quarterback. Those military guys are supposed to be smart. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> who, who gave you the most trouble as a quarterback? Oh, I, you know, I think uh, maybe uh, seemed like uh, Billy Kilmer, uh, you know, a guy back there, and and then Jurgensen too. Although I had had some interceptions off Jurgensen, but uh, uh, when you, when I looked there at Billy Kilmer and and Jurgensen, and they didn't look like they, you know, they were really didn't look very athletic back there at the quarterback position. Yeah, they looked like it came yeah. out of the stand and somebody put a jersey on them. Yeah, I know it. And and uh, I swear they could they could fling that ball in there. And, uh, and you know, many times I thought, how did that guy get the ball in there on me on that play or something? And, and they were they would consistently do it, just both somehow. They just were wily veterans and, and were able to get it done. One of the guys they say was one of the best quarterbacks of all time. You probably saw later in his career, Johnny Unitas. What was he like? 
Well, I only played him right at the end of his career. I think I think he we played him uh, real late, and, and obviously it wasn't a. In fact, he he was he was just coming in part time when I played against him, so not really a not really a, a, a good picture of what he was in his prime. Certainly, uh, obviously, he was one of the greatest of all time, and and could. Uh, you know, throw the ball anywhere, but uh, but when I faced him, it wasn't it wasn't really a. I think it was like the last year, and then I think he ended up uh, the year out in San Diego, his last his last year or a couple of years, and uh, uh, I don't even know I don't even for sure that he was a starter when when uh, when when we played him a couple of times, and I and I saw him across the field in practice. Did anybody ever tackle Tacky Smith? Because I remember in games, it was virtually impossible. You'd have defenders would have to drive him out of bounds, pretty much. Yeah, he was something else. Obviously, uh, uh, Jackie uh, was was a competitor. I mean, even in practice, he just he hated to get the ball knocked down from him if you were if you were covering or, or whatever. And uh, and obviously, once he caught the ball, he was. It was something to see. I, rem- I can rem- still remember one of the greatest plays I've ever seen. Is uh, you know we were playing Dallas here in St. Louis in the mid '70s, and he he took a ball uh, right across the middle at about 10 yards and, and broke five tackles, uh, two linebackers, and that's a corner and three sit and a couple safeties broke broke five different tackles and, and scored on the play. It was just uh, uh, you know we were. We were staying on the sidelines and, and just, you know, couldn't believe what we saw when, when, when we saw the play. And I think it's one of those highlights that they always show when uh, when they're uh, talking about Jackie Smith. What was your favorite moment in professional football? Oh gosh, I think uh, uh, other than the day that I got elected into the Hall of Fame, uh, I think uh, one of the one of the best games you mentioned. One of the best uh, feelings was that. Uh, Early in my career, that Monday night football game in, in Dallas when we beat them down there, that was, that was such a great thrill because, because at that time, Monday night football was the, you know, the national <laughs> pastime and, uh, and one of the few games that you saw, uh, that everybody saw, uh, uh, on Monday night. And then, uh, oh, in the mid seventies, I think, uh, when we won the division and, and had the, the good teams, the, the Cardiac Cardinals, and uh, uh, won the division a couple times and, and made it to the playoffs uh, after, uh, you know, falling short those those first uh, five or six years in in, in my career. Uh, those were the the most fun times to play with Coriel as our as our uh, coach. Uh, he was such a uh, such a, a great coach, a great offensive innovator, and a, and a great coach to play for. The players just loved him, and, and so. Uh, we had a lot of fun there in the mid '70s uh, uh, playing football here in St. Louis, and obviously had the had the town behind us, and, and uh, was just uh, the most fun I think I ever had uh, playing football. In 1978, legendary uh, coach Bud Wilkinson, who had had ex- you know unbelievable success at on the college level at Oklahoma, comes in. You know he'd, he'd been an analyst on TV. He has his one season, and then I guess ownership wanted uh, 
a, a former Missouri quarterback, Steve Pizarkowitz, to start over Jim Hart. <laughs> and that, that was the end of the Bud Wilkinson experiment. What was that like? Well, that was, uh, it was kind of a, it was a tough time here in St. Louis because it came, uh, that's the reason that uh, Coriel left, uh, the head coach during the mid seventies. Uh, you know, we had such a great team and, and then, uh, uh, like you say, we, we drafted Bizarkowitz and, and, and Coriel, uh, wanted a, a big defensive player. Instead, we drafted a quarterback when we didn't need one because we had Jim Hart and, uh, uh, Coriel just basically blew up and, you know, went to the press and ended up getting himself fired. So, uh, so that's when, uh, we, we, uh, hired that Bud Wilkinson and he came in and, and like I say, it was a tough situation for him to come into because, uh, you know, the players loved Coriel and, uh, and we had winning seasons, uh, and then obviously, uh, we hadn't really drafted the people that we needed, and so uh, Wilkinson came, uh, Bud came in, and it was a, a tough situation for him to come into. Uh, I was, you know, he was a he was a a great individual, a great man, a great great uh, motivator. He was he coached more as you know we talked about earlier uh, the two best coaches that I played under Divine and and uh, and Coriel. He was more the Divine type of coach. He uh, he was he left the uh, uh, nuts and bolts a little bit to the to the uh, uh, assistant coaches and uh, he came in and, and was more of a motivator and, and uh, some of the stories that he told about his experiences were just were just uh, you know kept you on the edge of your seats as a, as a as a player because he was uh, you know he was so well well respected in the in the sport and so respected. For the things that he had done, not only in football but outside of football, and so, uh, so I don't know. It was a, it was kind of an odd time. It was a, it was a, a thrill to have him, you know, interact with him because he was a kind of a legend at the time, and uh, and still the football situations were not that good here in St. Louis. We didn't, we didn't win that many games when he was here. So, so and he was only here a, a year and a half. So it was a kind of a tough time. Also, we weren't able to continue. Uh, the good times that we had under Coriel, and 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 like I say, it, it, uh, he came in under very tough situations because uh, a very popular coach had uh, been fired. What was it like when you went into the Hall of Fame? Oh gosh, uh, just uh, basically a dream come true. You know, I had been out of football for a good number of years, and and so probably you know, in in my mind, uh, you know, you, I had been on that. Final 15, they, they they voted down, or they they put uh, I think 100 people on the ballot, and then they voted down to 50, and then down to 25, and then then down to that final 15 that they they actually did the voting on. And uh, so you know I had made those other lists uh, numerous times, but had uh, and and it had been down to the final 15 one other time. So uh, you know I mean I knew it was kind of out there that. You know, there's a possibility that that I could uh, be voted in, but I think in my mind I had pretty much made up my mind that it probably passed me by, and uh, and uh, I probably wouldn't wouldn't make the Hall of Fame unless I made it as a as a senior, uh, you know, legends uh, category. But then, uh, you know, then I made that uh, in '07. I made the made the final 15, and then, you know, the 
you're on edge again. And and uh, when when I got the call, it was just a just an amazing time. Uh, you know, I was so so happy to be uh, included in that group of of players that I played against and and played with all those years. And uh, you know, it's been just a thrill every year to go back and be a part of that and and be a part of everything that uh, being in the Hall of Fame means. Well, I think the, the the deciding factor was that you were such a good holder on play skips. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. And, and your last and in your last season, you scored a, a, a touchdown on a fake field goal. How, how did that touchdown compare to, to the, your interception returns for TDs? <laughs> well, I think it was a it was a it was very satisfying because it was actually on the last home game that I played. I had already announced my retirement. Uh, uh, when I first came to the Cardinals, uh, uh, Jim Bakken was the, the uh, place kicker, and uh, and Larry Wilson was his holder. And so then my fourth year uh, after Larry retired, uh, I started holding on, on field goals uh, uh, for Bakken and then the, the other kickers that we had throughout my career. But, uh, yeah, uh, I'd already announced my retirement, uh, that I re- would, was going to retire at the end of the season, uh, right before our last home game. And so, uh, uh, they had kind of a, a ceremony out there before the game and, and uh, all of that. And then, uh, obviously we were playing, uh, the New York Giants and, and needed to, uh, win the game to make the playoffs. That was the strike shortened season. So uh, uh, it was a very important touchdown that put us ahead, and and uh, we we had seen in in the films that there was an opportunity for a fake field goal uh, if they lined up in a certain way because they they really like to rush the kicker, and I think it blocks several kicks during the year. So uh, uh, you know the coach put put the play on, and uh, if the if the alignment was right, and it was, so we, we tried it, and I obviously. Uh, got into the end zone, which was, uh, like I say, a big thrill. Thank you to our two guests, former St. Louis Cardinals defensive standouts, Larry Wilson and Roger Worley. Thank you also to our executive producer, Dave Olson. You are listening to Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com. Hope to have you around next week.